Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Decova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When the situation is hopeless, there's nothing to worry about. Edward Abbey. And I, I climb on this tree trunk to get up uh, and, and higher up, and there's a rope and I hang on to the rope and I'm climbing this tree trunk and I'm right at the top and I'm like pull on this rope to get myself hoisted up and over and the rope wasn't attached. It was attached to the lower end of the wall, not the top end of the wall. So I pull on the rope and I fall backwards into the canyon and luckily my backpack is landing against the wall so like I'm not hurt. I later on was pretty sore in a lot of spots, but um, I was like, wow, that was really dumb. I was able to avoid all of this. This Oh, I had to do um, stemming too for the first time ever. I'd seen it in a photo. <laughs> I've never done it before. <laughs> like, well, there's this boulder and this rock wall. I gotta get up it somehow. There's no other way. I'll try this thing I saw in a photo. <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, 
Just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest who has to be one of the most impressive people I've ever had on the podcast. Arlette Lawn is currently out on the North Country Trail, and it is early in January right now as we were recording. She is also a triple crowner and has completed the Hayduke Trail in Utah and the TA in New Zealand, among, among many others. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Arlette. How's it going out there? It's going well. I'm at a trail angel's house at the moment, so I'm comfy inside. <laughs> okay. Instead and, of in the freezing tent. Okay. And where exactly, how far, how, what is your progress right now on the North Country Trail? And where are you exactly right now? Um, so I am about um, a mile. No, I got 550 miles left to get to where I started because I'm doing a flip-flop. So I'm, I started in Ohio. And uh, I'll hopefully get back to Ohio sometime. <laughs> it keeps getting later and later because winter hiking is slow. <laughs> so so yep. you're, doing, you're doing a flip-flop of the North Country Trail. Yes. Wow. And how many, how many miles is the North Country Trail? It's, it's thousands of miles. Uh, the North Country Trail is somewhere between 4,700 or 4,800 miles. It's not really... Um, it, there's not a really set number at the moment, I, <laughs> I think, because there's new things getting added to it and then things aren't updated yet. And um, so, but I think for me it would be about 4,700 miles, something yeah. like that. I, yeah. I thought it was 4,700 because yeah. we, we just talked to Horsepower uh, a few weeks ago, who was a calendar year triple crowner and was, had just finished the North country trail. So that is pretty impressive. And we'll get to the details of your hike and some stories from that hike in, in just a little bit here. So, yep. hey, on the podcast, we only go by trail names. And so Doc does not appear on my driver's license or on my paycheck. And I'm assuming that with all of your experience out there that you have picked up a trail name along the way. So my trail name is Apple Pie. And um, it's mostly because I really like desserts and pastries and Dutch apple pie is the full name because I'm from Holland originally and it was something that I know how to bake and it's tasty and you know there's the slogan uh don't let life or the dessert tray pass you by so well that's that's basically it all right there that's that's that might be your pro tip inside of the week don't let dessert uh, (laughs) pass you by I know, right? Don't let life or dessert take pass yes. you by. There you go. Now, I guess you could have picked up worse trail names related to dessert. I mean, there's some. There's a lot of different options out there. I mean, you could have been cupcake. Could have been uh, pineapple. Up, pineapple upside down cake. That's a lot of syllables, though. That's very tasty. Mm-hmm. Very tasty. Can't go wrong with that either. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. But you know, Dutch apple pie. It's 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 plain and simple. Can't really can't really go wrong. But uh, I have been I have been uh, bestowed other trail names on me as well, but I chose not to go with those because, uh, you know, I already had apple pie. So why would I want to be dino legs instead? You know, um, dino legs. I, I'm not, dino sure. Legs. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure how, if that's if that's flattering or not. I don't I don't think it necessarily was flattering. No, there, it did come with some sort of theme song that somebody made up for me, but uh, I, I decided to um, stick with apple pie. Yeah, uh, that is kind of next level trail name when your trail name <laughs> comes with a theme song. <laughs> I, know. I should have kept it. Maybe. No. <laughs> now, is it no. <laughs> is it just is it just apple pie or is the full formal name Dutch apple pie? Well, it started as Dutch apple pie, but it's just apple pie. And okay. a lot of people call me 
pie, you know, because that's easier. <laughs> I tried to be healthy for a couple uh, hikes and I tried to be just apple. I'm like, you know, like maybe I should be healthier and I'm getting older, but I didn't, didn't really fit very well. Didn't work out. No. Yeah. I think the appropriate nickname for apple pie, if you're going to shorten it at all is definitely pie, not apple. Def- yeah. Pie. I, I may shorten it occasionally tonight. So that works. Fantastic. All right. Hey, Pie, have you seen have you listened to the podcast before? I did. Okay. I listened to the one with legend and I'm looking forward to the one listening with um horsepower. Okay. I haven't yeah. listened yet. I only ask, I want to make because I just want to make sure that you're aware of a of a segment towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. That's where I, where I will turn to you. And ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. All right. Okay. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Apple Pie, what is your must bring piece of gear? So I would say I'm pretty picky about my sleeping bag. Uh, Cause I don't like those straight mummy bags and I do like to be in a cocoon. So I quilts and stuff. I don't, I don't really know if that works. Um, but Mon Bell makes a sleeping bag that has diagonal stitching. So it's a little stretchy. So that is, I think they call it the down hugger. So I have one in a zero degree and I have one in like, it used to be like a 15 degree, I think, but it's probably more like 30 since it's old. Um, so that would be, I think the specific type of gear. Otherwise my clothing, I'm super specific, but that's more a fit issue. So Okay, the down hugger by Mon yeah. Bell, and yeah. the, the diagonal stitching it it that allows for some uh, some stretchiness. You think? Yeah, it's a movement. Like I can pull up my knee, and I don't have to be all like you know snug and because I have wide hips and legs and stuff. So to be in one of those really narrow mummy bags, I I can't sleep. Well, that's what all the dino legs are using is the the, uh, the down <laughs> hugger. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, when, when you started out on the North Country Trail at the beginning in Ohio, what was your, what was your pack weight? What was your base weight? Oh, I don't know how much it weighed. Um, so, uh, I think I still had a, I had a zero degree bag, I think. And I had my medium-sized backpack, I think. I had the Gossamer Gear Gorilla. Mm-hmm. And I had my Gossamer Gear tent the one i was probably around i don't know 25 30 pounds i think probably 30 pounds i don't know i'm not super lightweight and i still had winter uh because i started april 6th or 7th mm-hmm. something like that so it was still pretty cold at night and it could be cold during the day too i still had some snow um a few times so i was carrying like you know my down hoodie and all of that all of that stuff still so it wasn't super light and I think I still have my stove as well. So that adds some weight to it. So I'm no expert at winter hiking by any stretch of the imagination, but I have to imagine that winter hiking gear, your back, your backpack has to weigh more than a, say a traditional summer or fall trip. Oh yeah. It's a lot heavier. And then like, yeah. I mean, 
now in full winter, it's, it's a lot heavier even because I have a minus 15 degree sleeping bag. It's a feathered friends. It's also a little bit roomier and, um, but yeah, that's, it's heavy. And, um, the tent is a lot heavier and I carry two sleeping pads and uh, extra stove, extra canister. So I think that pack currently is about 45 pounds with food and water. It's a little heavy. Yeah. Now we're talking on January 10th. You have been out there since April 6th. Mm -hmm. That is, that is mind boggling. It's a little long. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Actually I've been hiking basically since October of uh, 2020. So but there was some other hikes that we were doing. Um, that was with my husband. I did a winter, half of the winter, um, half of the AT in winter. We started Katahdin in December of uh, 2021. And then took just a little bit of a break before I started this hike in April. So I've and been is, out for over a year. And is your husband out on the North Country Trail with you? He is now. He, start, he joined me in Marquette uh, and in the Upper Peninsula. So he's been with me for, I think, 35 days now uh, to do the, the actual like deep winter hiking I don't do by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, uh, I can't carry, he, we have a really heavy uh, winter tent. It's called, it's the Hilleberg. It's like super winter tent, but it's like seven pounds or something. Um, it's just for me too heavy and also safety issues. Um, there's, there's certain temperatures that I just, he runs warmer than I do. And it's just not safe for me to be out in certain temperatures by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Once you've had like frostbite on your nose, because you're exposed in cold temperatures, um, it's kind of, you're just a little bit more conservative about being out in really cold weather. Um, you know, what can go wrong and you don't notice it. So sure. to have a partner, um, feels smarter and safer. Yeah. Now is his, is his trail name pack mule? Yeah, it should be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's Greenleaf. Greenleaf, okay. Greenleaf, yeah. Great. So his pack is uh, is heavier. He also likes to overpack a little bit. So it's not just that he, we're we're sharing gear. We still both have a have a stove. Uh, he has a heavier stove that's better for winter, but I still have a backup stove. Um, he just carries a tent body, and I carry the tent poles and stakes, which are also heavy but he does carry more of the more of the weight and just extra stuff that he just doesn't want to give up got it now you mentioned frostbite of the nose and i'm looking here uh, at the video and your nose for our listeners out there who are not tuning in on youtube <laughs> her nose seems to be fully intact so yeah actually i think it was frost nip frost it was nip. frost nip yeah okay. I, I probably said frostbite but it was frost nip which I didn't notice. And he's like, well, your nose is really waxy. And then you get very paranoid about ever getting that again. So is that, is that an actual term frost nip? Yeah. Yeah. Frost nip is the first stage. And then you get, if it gets worse, it will get frostbite. And then your nose starts to fall off after that. And then the final stage is frost, frost rot. (laughs) I guess so. Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Oof. All right. Hey, to, to keep our, our conversation about gear going, I've got a little, little segment we call hiking pole. And it's not P-O-L-E, it's P-O-L-L. I'm going to ask you some questions to determine what side of the crazy scale you're on. So, so be very careful with uh, your answers here. Okay, so okay. Uh, first question, easy one. Hiking poles or no hiking poles? Uh, hiking poles. 
mostly for the uphill for me. My knees are pretty strong, but I'm not a good climber. So I use my arm muscles to pull myself up the mountain. Yes. Very good. Okay. How about boots or trail runners? Uh, trail runners for normal hiking and boots for winter. Cause otherwise my feet will get really cold. Mm-hmm. And do you have a, a preferred brand or model for each of those? Um, I have really wide feet, so there's not a lot of choices. So summer, I kind of stick with the ultras, mm-hmm. although I'm open to suggestions. Uh, and winter, whatever fits my feet. Right now, I have fast. I used to have keen, kind of just, yeah, need something that's a little wider. Okay. And you already answered this one, but I'm going to ask it again just for our listeners' benefit. Sleeping bag or quilt? Uh, yeah, for me, sleeping bag. Yep. The down hugger with the diagonal stitch. Yep. Okay. Indeed. And I think you answered this one uh, earlier as well. Uh, Stove or cold soak? Cold soaking kind of sounds disgusting to me. So that would be a no. Um, (laughs) Stove only in cold weather and mainly because I like hot drinks. Um, I don't really care about hot dinners. So in summertime, I just don't, I just go stoveless. That's the third option. Um, so I'll just have crackers and tortillas and cheese and Nutella and all that stuff. And I don't, I don't bring a stove in summer. That is a fair point. It should be a three, there should be a three choice question right there. Stove, cold soak or stove less. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine being out on the North country trail in January being pretty depressing without a stove. Yeah. I mean, and that's a safety issue too. Um, plus if it's a really cold night and you want to, um, uh, you can boil some water, put it in an algae bottle, put that in your sleeping bag and you have a nice hot, you know, make sure it's closed. <laughs> and uh, I put it in your sleeping bag and warm up. Um, it's really nice. It's another, so yeah, winter, winter is always a stove. That's another possible yeah. pro tip there. Make sure the Nalgene bottle is closed with the piping <laughs> hot water in it. Definitely. Yeah. And then the long trails should be hiked northbound or southbound. Oh, uh, uh, it depends, I guess. But if you want more people or less people, if you season wise, I mean, I would I would right now probably want to do everything southbound, although I did the CDT southbound. So but I and I really like that. Um, but yeah, my the other two were northbound. So I, I'm undecided on that one. It depends okay. on what you want to get out of your hike. Okay. So you said uh, if you want to, if you want to encounter fewer people, I'm, I'm imagining you, you would recommend going southbound because mm-hmm. yep. the, the traditional approach is northbound starting yes. at the south terminus and, and heading, you, heading north. Yeah. And you can start earlier if you go northbound. So a lot of people choose that too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I think it's just depending on what you want to get out of your hike. Okay. Well, you scored a solid 77 on a scale of a hundred in the crazy scale. So well done there. <laughs> nice <laughs> it's not not so high it's so that's good yeah yeah <laughs> but you know any any long trailer uh that i talk to their their highest possible score is like 79 so i mean oh, okay yeah because there's a they lose an automatic 21 points just because they're out you know doing stuff like this i mean they're, they're a little uh-huh. bit crazy so yeah yeah agreed yeah Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit and talk about your background. We'd love to hear about your kind of your origin story, where you grew up, um, what kind of sports and hobbies were you involved in as a kid? Did your parents embrace the the outdoor experience and that, that's how you got involved or how, how did you get involved in the 
through hiking cult because any, oh. any any organization that convinces you to be out uh, in 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 the dirt for months on end uh, it's got to be a cult so yeah I don't think when I started there wasn't that much of a cult yet or it wasn't as as yeah I don't know there wasn't you know there wasn't really social media there wasn't social media yet um so i didn't know about any of the other hikers i just thought that hiking was cool uh but uh, i grew up in holland where there was no mountains and not really hiking trails i guess there's some walking trails and stuff like that um but uh i first got into hiking when we would go on vacation to switzerland so i saw my first mountains there and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And we did some day hikes. And then I was like, wow, wouldn't it be neat to just go instead of doing out and back to go up and over the pass to the next town. And so we started backpacking. This was my, was with my then um, boyfriend and uh, started backpacking. And then I got to California and I learned about Sierra Nevada and like all these the hikes you could do in Yosemite and then I picked up a flyer or brochure about the Pacific Crest Trail oh that that sounds cool um so I figured that that before my you know before I was going to start a family with my then husband I would go and do this as a last big adventure because I'd always been traveling and exploring and um this this sounded like a really neat thing to do like so maybe an early midlife crisis in my you know what 31 I think I was so um that's kind of how I started doing the, the long distance hiking was I picked up that brochure and yeah. I have to ask what, what brought you to California from, from Holland? Oh, that was the ex-husband. Okay. He got, he got a job. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I followed. <laughs> okay, and you know, let, let's, let's continue on your, your life story here without hitting the hiking trails yet. So it sounds like the, the first husband didn't, didn't, uh, didn't stick. Well, that was because I started hiking and then, <laughs> you know, I, I, I remembered how crazy I was about like, adventure and exploring and how he was more normal and that kind of you know was the difference so okay and how did you meet how did you meet greenleaf greenleaf i met i was out again on the pacific crest trail in 07 and i was preparing to do the pacific northwest trail so i was just going to hike a section of the uh, pacific uh, crest trail that year and uh i got to tuolumne meadows in yosemite and I needed a ride to get to Glacier. And Greenleaf was attempting to through hike the Pacific Crest Trail that year. But he was hiking too fast and he'd gotten to Tahoe and he's like, wow, I'm really bored by myself. I'm going to go rent a car and drive to Tuolumne and hang out with some of my hiking friends, kill some time, and then I'll be with my hiking friends again. And I was sitting there at a picnic table and I needed a ride to get to Glacier. And he had a rental car. And so uh, he said to me, well, I think I could get, you know, convinced to give you a ride to Glacier. And so we joked that he picked me up on the side of the road and kind of, you know, been together ever since. I mean, there was some, you know, like he was trying to get and finish his hike. I was trying to finish my hike. But, you know, eventually we ended up together and that's how we met. Yeah, the short version there of just getting picked up on the side of the road. I mean, that's that's classic. That's that's Good perfect. One. Yeah. <laughs> Now you said you're out on the PCT in 2007. I seem to remember that is the same same year 
that uh, Barney Scout Man was out on the trail and the basis for his trail memoir, yes. uh, Journeys North. Yes, some of the people he writes about, I met. Um, I met on the trail. I hiked with for a little bit, actually. I don't think I've hiked with him. I must have seen him at some point, but I haven't uh, I've hiked with him. But some of the people he writes about, yeah, definitely uh, hiked with them. How cool is that to be reading yeah. that book and, and and saying, you know, I was I was hiking with that person for, yeah. for a portion of that trail that year. That that had to be pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun. Gives an extra dimension. It's like, oh, I know what that character looks like. Oh yeah, and I know that character, and I know that one too. Yeah, no, it's fun. Hey, I, I'm always interested to hear about people's thoughts the first time that they found out that there was actually a footpath that went for, that goes from Mexico all the way to Canada, and you know, not realizing prior to that moment that that was actually a thing. Do you do you remember when you pick up that brochure and you, you realize that there was a a footpath that went 2,650 miles? Yeah, I don't remember what I I just thought that that would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah. I, I don't know if I had a thought about like, oh, wow, that's really, I never thought, of, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just, I think I just picked it up and I was like, that looks like a really cool thing to do. And I will just say that I'm going to just do California. And then once I've done California, I'll just tell, you know, people that, well, now I guess I'll, I'll do the best as well. Maybe I wasn't quite honest to everybody about, of course, I wanted to do the whole thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I said that I was going to just try to do California. Um, yeah, I just thought it would be a really cool thing to be in nature and exploring for a long time and seeing if I could do it. Mm -hmm. So you thought if you were to tell people you're doing the whole thing that they would give you kind of like, you know, you're, you're crazy for trying to even do that Possibly. or they, they give you a hard time and so you just kind of chunked it a little bit and said you know i'm just gonna do the just gonna do this part and when you get to the the northern california border well i'm just gonna I'll, let's keep going I'll, I'll see what order might, might as well at that right. point you're there right people so. people will understand at that point you're committed <laughs> <laughs> yes by the time you get through california which is a very very long and tall state they'll understand that yeah sure i mean she's already there just keep going yeah Okay. Now, um, what do you, what did you do or what do you currently do to pay the bills and finance your adventures? Um, so at the moment, uh, I have a job as a guide in the White Mountains in New Hampshire. And uh, I work for uh, Redline Guiding in North Conway. And, uh, and I make dolls out of socks that I sell online. That I'm a very bad business person because I have nothing in stock. And my website shop doesn't work. And um, hopefully when I'm done with my current hikes, I'll, I'll get back into making money because it's a necessity at some point. <laughs> now, is that nothing in stock or nothing in sock? Oh, nothing. Oh, well, I, have oh, tons I got a ton of, of bad dad jokes. Don't worry. Tons of socks at home, but <laughs> no dolls. <laughs> you should see my inventory. Anyways. Nice. Now you guide in the White Mountains and it's it's redline guiding? Yeah, redline guiding is actually called after uh so the White Mountain National Forest, all the, the maps, they have the trails are marked in red. So the owner has hiked all of the trails that are in the White Mountain National Forest. And I'm like uh 88% done with all of the trails. So that's where the name comes from. It's a little obscure, but he chose to use that name. So there we go. It's a good story. Yeah. 
Okay. Hey, let's get to some of your hikes. I know that you said you did the PCT in 2007. You are a triple crowner. Yeah, I did. The, I did my my PCT hike in 03. Okay. Um, and then I did the. Um, I started on the AT in 04, but I quit and then um, took a month off. Did the CDT southbound instead. Finished that. Took a few months off and then started over on the AT in 05 and completed it. So you've done the PCT multiple times then? No, I just did the section. I've done sections again, but full through hikes, I've only done um, the 03, 04, 05. And otherwise I've done this, the section in 07, I only did the 12 New Meadows. Got it. And the AT, I've done sections again. And the CDT, I've done a couple of sections again, but never complete. There's other trails to explore, so I don't really repeat full through hikes as much. Right. Now, PCT was first in, in 03. And yep. did, did you know at that time that, you know what, I'm going to do all three? Or... I didn't even know. I didn't even know there was other trails. Okay. Come on now. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so, no, it was, I was on the PCT and I hear, and there was a lot of people from the AT that were doing the PCT. And I was like, oh, there's an Appalachian Trail. What's that like? And then they were like, oh, yeah, trees. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound any, doesn't sound interesting at all. Like, why would you want to, then there's no views. Why would you want to hike the AT? Anyways, um, so that's how I heard about the AT. And then I also, you know, towards the end, people were starting to talk about the Colonel Divide Trail. I'm like, well, that sounds cool. So, you know, I was done with the PCT and I kind of wanted to just continue hiking. So, the easier one sounded like, you know, well, what, let's do the AT kind of like, well, that seems like a, something I can jump on. The CDT intimidated me. I'm like, I don't know about that one. Um, and I didn't think I wanted to do that by myself either. So, so then I started on the AT and, uh, and I was just was not really into it. And uh, then I found a couple people that wanted to do the CDT that year. So I was like, okay, well, oh, how about I just join you guys? Is that okay? Well, it was actually going to be a couple of women, um, but it ended up just being me and a couple guys. But um, that's how that happened. Yeah, but I had no idea. I didn't know those trails existed until I was hiking. So back in 2002, when you were preparing for the, the PCT, you didn't just jump on the, the internet and, and go to the uh, Triple Crown webpage and, and look all that stuff up? There was guidebooks and there was a, there was a PCTL Yahoo group. Yes, that's what, yeah. So an, an email group that had stuff and that was the digest group, whatever, something like that. Yeah, that was it. And then there was guidebooks and maps. Yeah. What, what is an email Wait. group? <laughs> it was a, it was an email group. Like you would just get emails and you got them in your, in your inbox and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there was no cell phones, no, no, no gut hook or far out, you know, we just had to use guidebooks and paper maps. Whoa, the data book. And so take us through some of the, some of the differences back hiking the PCT in 2003 and what you're doing right now. I mean, what, what are the stark differences in how you prepare and conduct a through hike? Um, I think preparing like nowadays, if there's no app, you're like, what? There's no app. Like I can't, there's not what? Like, oh my God, like there's a section of the North Country Trail in New York and there's no downloadable maps for it. Like I have to actually 
buy paper maps and find out what the route is and then trace it like <laughs> we're we're so spoiled nowadays um so that is one of the main differences like now i can just pull out my phone and i can see where i'm at all the time like on the the pct when i started that like yeah it was there was guidebooks out and then um i got some maps and uh how did i get some prep i think it was a pctl that that list that i got my my prep from because yogi's books weren't out yet and um that was about it so the bit that's the biggest thing like there's so much more available now for like, reading journals too online like i I think that trailjournals.com was just starting out at that point. There was a few people that had online journals, but I hadn't read any. I don't know. I hadn't read any when I started the PCT. There was a kickoff. There was a party at Lake Marina. And so you got some water reports there. And uh, But mostly it was the guidebooks. We would read the guidebooks too. It was kind of fun because the... the um, person that had written them had this really nicely poetic style there was words in there that i'd never heard of sphagnum moss and anyways it was really fun yeah now 2014 i think is when when wild came out the book wild by cheryl strayed Uh and kind of awareness of the pct and uh through hiking kind of exploded at that point as it hit the hit the the mainstream in 2003 I mean, what was it like? How many, how many people did you encounter on a daily basis out on the PCT? So I think, I think it was about 300 that started that year, just 300. And I think about a hundred of us made it for what I know from numbers. And um, I would still meet several people a day, um, but I don't know, maybe between five and 10 a day. And that was also, I think, because at that point we still did the kickoff party. I think they're not doing that anymore because it was, it's now too many people to all start at one date. Um, but there was a weekend in April that most people would start at. So you kind of all did start at the same time. Um, so in the beginning you would see, would see a fair amount of people, but it wasn't crazy. Like we would camp maybe with three other people or we would camp by ourselves. I started with a friend just to get rid of some of the like, oh my God, I'm starting this big thing by myself. So I had a friend who was going to start with me for a couple for two weeks until she fainted. And then, you know, I come by bus. I put her on the bus. <laughs> Poor girl. Um, but that yes. sounds like a, that sounds like a story right there. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those people that are um she didn't eat or drink enough and she didn't listen enough to me. Just like, I, I told you, you got to drink and eat more and, um, and it's in the desert and it's hard when you've never hiked in the desert before. And I had, did read a little bit more um, about it. Oh, I do remember one thing that I also read Cindy Ross's book, a journey on the crest. And that was one of, I think the only book that was out there on the PCT uh, and it, it, for me, was a good read because it also described some of her ups and downs and experiences and that, you know, through hiking isn't just like, you know, rainbows and unicorns and fun all day. Um, so that was actually a good preparation for me mentally and emotionally. It's like, well, I, you know, normal life isn't always fun. So this hiking thing is probably all, also not going to always be fun. Um, so that was actually a good, like, mental preparation for me to read that book that was out um i think that was the only thing that i could read that was out there um but yeah my friend um 
yeah, she wasn't drinking and eating enough and it was hot. And, and then she suddenly collapsed in front of my eyes. And, and then that was really scary. Uh, luckily, there was somebody else out there. So we were both trying to put her in the shade and get her some water and some sweets. And um, eventually we were able to escort her down the mountain and, uh, and, and bring her to safety. But it was really scary. I mean, I was laughing about it, but it was really scary. Um, I'm, I'm glad she was okay and, um, and that we were near enough to civilization that we got to a road and were able to get her to a town the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Now with any, any new activity, there is a learning curve where there comes a decision point where you, you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to continue on with this. I think I've got this. I'm going to continue on with it. Or you're like, this is not for me. Uh, I shouldn't be doing this. I don't, I don't like doing this. When did you realize at what point did you realize that, you know what, I'm, I, not only do I like this through hiking stuff, I'm pretty good at it. And I'm going to, this is going to be a, a lifetime pursuit of mine. Um, I don't know. I think I just was, um, I'm pretty stubborn. So if I start something, I don't really want to quit. Uh, I think that's a, a big thing. And for me, what I really like about the through hiking is that it is simple in a lot of ways and there's a routine, but then there's something new and exciting every day. So it's like a perfect combination of excitement and routine. Um, and, uh, I did, I do remember thinking going the first time I went, got to Tuolumne Meadows and what is that? You're about nine months. 900 miles in something like that something like that yeah and uh, and i was like i've been hiking for this long and i still have so much further to go <laughs> like what what is this wow okay uh that realization is uh, it's a pretty hard one uh or an interesting one and but i was having and the desert was hard the desert i i but i kind of knew that the desert was going to be hard so not enjoying that all the time was something I expected. I was like, okay, well, if I can make it through the desert part, then I'll be golden because I knew a lot about the Sierra. I knew that I liked the Sierra. I had done as a prep the John Muir Trail the year before, which I really, really enjoyed. So I knew that that was coming up. And um, yeah, I think, I think that helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, then after after finishing the PCT and just like I was like, wow, I really I really like this lifestyle. I really like the simplicity of it, but also the adventure of it. And um, yeah, that that made me just want to keep going and explore more. So on that on that first long trail, did you ever find yourself in a position when you you just asked yourself, well, you know, what what am I doing out here? This I must be crazy. Um, I remember thinking in the desert that I really, really didn't like it. <laughs> Especially like when you're trying to find some shade in a bush and like there's not a whole lot out there. And you're just like, this kind of really sucks. And my water is lukewarm and, and I, it's just really not a lot of fun. But again, I think because I knew that that was going to be the challenging part for me, I was like, all right, well, this is, this kind of sucks. Maybe I can, maybe I can flip and skip this section and I'll do it later or, you know, or how can I, how can I make this more palatable? And then I kind of came up with like, well, I'll just go and find a fun group of people to hang out with. 
and there was plenty of fun people out there. So um, I hung out with a bunch of people and we just did shorter days. We went to this really tiny lake and all rented little boats in this tiny lake that had hardly any water and hung out at a bar and I just did stupid stuff. Somebody was filtering beer just because like it's stupid stuff. Um, but you does know, that make, just, does that make the beer light when you filter it? Yes. Yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how you get light beer. That's how you get lighter light beer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So we just, I think we had like 20 people or something and we were all just kind of like hanging out and during the, during the heat of the day and, and having fun and just trying to make it through and, and, and making it, you know, palatable to get through this, this hot desert kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was kind of my, my way of getting through those. Like, I'll just go to this next place and wait for a fun group of people to help me through this. <laughs> and that worked. <laughs> oh, that is great. Now we're going to polarize some people here before we go to break. I want you to I want you to rank the 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 three long trails of the that compose the the triple crown. So wh- which is the best of the three? Well, for me personally, the best one was the CDT. Really? Yeah. Okay. It, it had it had much more adventure to it, uh, more wildlife, and even though it doesn't have the you know completed footpath at the pct app i mean they're very close pct and cdt are, are very very close for me mm-hmm. um but cdt was uh yeah it, it, it really felt like an adventure i mean again we didn't have the apps we didn't have cell phones so we were just i just had this this e-trex gps thing that i barely knew how to use and we would miss junctions all the time and get lost and then we'd look on our paper the lorem atlas maps where one inch is four miles and you put your sharpie out and i think we're here yeah this here is like this big giant black dot and like oh well i think we're almost back on the trail we bushwhacked we got lost and oh my gosh it was yeah it was interesting it was it was an adventure and then also with the way that it was kind of set up at that time like there wasn't really any purest cbt route so there was the jonathan lay maps and there was the wolf guidebooks and um and and other maps i think we had the jonathan lay maps and and it had a purple route on it it had an orange route on it, it had a, a red route on it and and you just tried to make pick and, and choose what you kind of wanted to do or what looked good to you or what looked adventurous to you and uh and it was it was fun in that way you're like all right well this looks like the cool place to go let's do this let's explore that and uh yeah, it was an adventure, so it was fun. Pi, I'm, I'm, I may have to adjust my crazy scale with you <laughs> leading off with the the CDT is your favorite. I talked to Ginger Balls. I don't know if you know him or not. Uh, no, another, another triple crowner, great guy. He's been on the podcast multiple times, and he did the CDT last out of the out of the three, and he only did it a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. he said even then it was in places it was not well marked. I mean it was. Oh serious wayfinding and and trying to figure out where in the where in the heck you are and so i can only imagine what it was like and was it 2005 2004 uh four 2004 so so trying to hike the the complete cdt in 2004 if it wasn't if it wasn't complete just a couple of years ago i mean what what was the you know how how unmarked was it in places i have to imagine it was it was it was pretty rough Oh, there wasn't a whole lot of markers at all. Yeah. No, no. And then like we were, I don't know, we weren't 
I don't think either. I was, it was me and then it was two other guys that we ended up with doing the most of it. And at some point, we weren't all that bright either. <laughs> like, I remember we looked at the map and I was looking at the map. And I'm like, well, there's this big sign that says Continental Divide this way. It didn't say Continental Divide Trail. It said Continental Divide. And, and there was a, a trail number on the sign that didn't match the trail number on my map. And there was something else. It really didn't look like the way it should look like. That section should have been traveled more, but it didn't look traveled. And 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 still, we went that way because it said Colonel Levite on the on the sign. So we're all going that way, and and we're kind of spread out. And I look at my map and like, uh, there's no lake here. There's supposed to be a lake here. And then I catch up with one of the guys on the pass, and we're like, Yep, we're on the Colonel Levite, but not the right pass. And, uh, and that's where we were, we were lost for at least two days. We were just looking at the, we weren't lost, lost, but well, in the end we were lost, lost. Uh, but in the beginning we were following other trails that would lead us back to the Continental Divide Trail that we were supposed to be on. Uh, and the first trail was okay. It was nicely maintained and marked. And then we get to the second one and there's a sign on the ground and it says trail not maintained. And that's when we started following animal tracks. And <laughs> which, I don't know, we ended up in some swamp and, and that's where we did the, the GPS reading where the Sharpie on the map showed us that we were really close to the trail, but we could not find it. I was that, I did start to panic a little bit at that point, but uh Finally, one of us spotted the trail and we're all so happy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah, I've, I've said many times that if ignorance is bliss, I'm one of the happiest people on the planet sometimes. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a good way to be. <laughs> Man, people got it easy these days. I mean, that was real adventure back then. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely harder to know where you were. Uh, like now, you know, you got a lot of those those apps on your phone, and they're they're pretty helpful. Okay, it's so like, it's... oh, I missed the turn. Oops. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like it, it goes CDT and then PCT and then AT. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean the AT now. Now I kind of like the AT, but then I was just like, it was too busy. I mean. When I did the CDT, I think there was 24 people that started that year, half of them northbound, half of them southbound, something like that. And then I was on the AT and it was just super busy. Uh, but then again, in the end, I started liking, you know, I found a couple of people that I liked hiking with and also found out how I could get my alone time. You know, you would just like maybe night hike a little bit or um stay at different places they not stay at the shelters and there's ways around the busyness but well there was when i hiked it now if you start in a normal weather window it's hard to find a peaceful place i think um i was out on the at i think in 2013 for a couple weeks and i did start with the with the march crowd because i was like oh that'll be fun i'll see all the newbies it'll be so fun i can feed up their energy it'll be fun and then I could get to a shelter and there's like 60 people there. I'm like, oh, this is actually not fun. Um, <laughs> plus, I'm not a real through hiker. So they're all looking at me like, what are you doing? You're not whatever. So you're not part of the pack. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting experience. I, I wouldn't start with with the crowd. 
if I ever were to do that again. So I think I've got it figured out. You you like the the uh, the solitude, the alone time, the the majesty of these wide open spaces without without another without a lot of other uh, human interaction out there. And if if the CDT you had twelve people going northbound and twelve people going southbound that year. I mean, that's I think something, something that's, like that. that yeah. That's pretty desolate. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm now after doing this trail for so long and not having any other hikers on it, I'm like, oh yes, people, yay! So I kind of swing back and forth on the wanting people, not wanting people uh, spectrum. Yeah. That's great. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll hear some more stories. Be right back. Stay tuned. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Mearpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like... My creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Apple Pie. Just heard a little bit about her uh, experience on the Triple Crown Trails. And I know that you've also done the TA in, in New Zealand. We had on... Uh, last season, T, um, Tip Tap from 
New Zealand, Elena Osborne, who has a fantastic YouTube channel. And she spent quite a bit of time talking about not only the PCT, but also the TA and the, the TA hike that she just finished. And she said it was pretty majestic. And what, uh, how long ago did you do the TA and, and what were your impressions? Uh, I think that was in 2014. We did a northbound, which is not the main way people do it, or at least not when we did it. Um, which actually worked out pretty good because it was quiet and it was also before it kind of, I think it's, it's it exploded a little bit, uh, in, in hikers and, uh, uh, it was, it was interesting. It was an interesting, I, I, I don't know. I think we had our expectations set really high and we were a little disappointed. Um, we're also very spoiled. This was me, my husband, Greenleaf, and a friend called Burrito, who I'd met on the PCT. And uh, uh, we thought it was all going to be sort of like the Sierra Nevada, like big mountains. And there are those big mountains on the South Island. Uh, but you're not always in them as much. There was only like maybe a couple of weeks where you're really in the big mountains and a lot of other stuff is like it's the foothills and and we were also expecting it to be more finished trail and uh it's funny because i said the cdt was fun because it was an adventure and for the ta we kind of didn't want that adventure (laughs) we wanted it to be a nice trail and it was really hard (laughs) So expectations, lessons, lessons, expectations are very important when you're starting a trail that you have the right expectations on what it's going to be like. Um, and it can really help you with your enjoyment of the trail. So That's I right. think if I think if we had known that it was more of a route than a trail, we would have had we would have had a little bit different experience in the in the South Island and the other way around. Everybody said they did not like the North Island because it was way too much road walking and um, there wasn't the big mountains. And, uh, and so my, my uh, Greenleaf didn't hike the North Island with us. It was Burrito and I. And we were like, well, we'll just hike from coffee shop to coffee shop and pastry shop to pastry shop and we'll have a blast. And we were also in New Zealand to actually meet local people. And the South Island all had... Uh, I had a lot of German. She had a lot of Germans. And I'm like, oh, I know what Europeans are like. <laughs> I don't need to meet Europeans. I want to meet New Zealanders. <laughs> so, so then for us, like, we're like, we're going to meet the locals on the North Island and we're going to just enjoy the other parts of New Zealand that you don't really get to hike or see on a, on a long distance hike necessarily. So we, you know, some of the road walking was stupid. Uh, but we actually enjoyed it. We went to Museum and we, we hiked, you know, the trail and the mountains that were there. And we loved the beach walks. They were gorgeous. And uh, um, so for me, the majestic part, the most majestic part for us on the South Island was taking a side trip to um, Mount Cook National Park, which is actually not on the trail. And that was amazing. God just blew us away. We wished we had more time there. Um, but uh yeah, I don't know. It was a different experience than we had expected. The yeah, expectations are so important. Uh, it really they they can they can break a trip or they can they can carry you through. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how Greenleaf did it. I mean, if I were hiking with, with with two people named Apple Pie and Burrito, 
I would, I would be beside myself just thinking about food every day. Those are two my two favorite food items. I know, but he's a green leaf, so he just wants vegetables. <laughs> a ve- veggie burrito, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyways. And uh, another trail that we've talked about on this podcast before with ginger balls in particular is the Hey Duke in Utah, going through all the, the national parks in, in Utah and talk about an adventure. I mean, he had some, he had some pretty, pretty uh, entertaining and, and scary stories uh, about his Hey Duke hike. And uh, he actually was, was motivated after the hike. He, he tracked down the creator of the Hey Duke and called him just cold called him. And the guy answered the phone at uh-huh. this, this place where he worked. And they had a, a conversation where I think ginger balls was just about in tears, just, just from the experience and being able to talk to the guy who created it, it was really a, a moving experience for him. I think that With, creator he, is pretty, he's pretty active in talking to people yeah. that are doing the trail. Yeah. He likes it. Yeah. He wants the feedback. He goes, Hey, what, what did you do? He asked specific questions. What did you do in this, in this section? How did you, how did you navigate this? Or what did you do here? Yeah. And yeah. It was funny because ginger balls is he's a you know, retired Navy and he, he retired as a Lieutenant commander. And he's just a real, he comes across as a, as a gruff, gruff kind of, he's friendly, but he comes across as kind of gruff. He didn't, I didn't expect that kind of reaction from him after, you know, getting off trail. So it was, it was, uh, it was fun to, fun to listen to that. How was your experience on the Hey Duke? So that one's another one where it's like, I, actually, that one had intrigued me for a while, but I, I was afraid to do it by myself. And because, uh, you know, there's some slight canyoneering in it and I'm not really a canyoneer. And uh, um, so I was always kind of waiting for somebody to hike it with me and nobody volunteered. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's a surprise. No one volunteered to do that with you. Huh? No, surprising, surprising. So uh, then I did see a couple that I'd met on the Florida trail and they were going to start. And I was like, Oh, can I maybe just hitchhike with you for like, maybe I can start with you for like the first two weeks or so. That's your apple pie. That's your approach. Uh, You know, I'm just going to start it. I'm just going to start it. And then you start it. And you knew, you knew you were doing the whole thing. Well, but also like starting with other people. I like the starting by myself is always intimidating. So I was like, well, if I can start with somebody, and then I'll have the guts to go by myself. It's a little bit of help in the beginning. And, um, and they were like, okay, well, yeah, sure, I guess. So, um, so they allowed me um, to, uh, to hike with them for the first two weeks, which was super helpful. They were much better canyoneers. Not that we didn't need to do a lot of that, um, but it just, it just got the jitters out. And I'm super grateful that they let me piggyback on, 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 on their start. And we did the water and the food caches together. And uh, that was super helpful. So, uh, so that was good. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, um, expectations again, since that one, I knew it was a route and I knew it was going to be scary and adventurous. Um, I was prepared to kind of be scared, I guess. And I enjoyed that part of it. It's like, okay, this is, this is going to be an adventure. And so I had the right mindset for it. Uh, but, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was, it's definitely also your water. And um, luckily we had a very wet spring. So we were usually carrying too much water just in case. And then there would be water. So we didn't have to, and then we had, we did do some water caches too. 
Um, so we only had to drink alkaline water once and it was nasty. I tried all these drink mixes. I'm like, oh, I'll put my noon tablets in it. Maybe it'll be better. Oh, I'll put this lemonade in it. Maybe it'll be better. Oh, maybe I'll put some coffee in it. They'll be better. It's just, and you know it's not good for your stomach. So you don't really want to drink it. But you got to drink water. So that was luckily we only needed to use that once as a water source. And the rest was all good water. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was an adventure. A lot more exposure than I thought it would be. And you don't know un unless you are a canyoneer and you have been traveling in, in that type of environment more. You don't know what you're going to react like. Like I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be the slot canyons and it's going to be amazing. and I'm going to love it because it's going to be so beautiful. And it was really beautiful. But I also got very unnerved a lot of the times, like just being on a ledge for a little bit at a time. Yeah, you're okay with and then you're on the ledge for a long time and you're like wow i could slip and fall to my death like there's it's there is a sometimes there's really not that much of a you know um you you fall you're dead um so um so that gets a little bit on your nerves so every day i was kind of like on edge uh for quite a bit of it so that was that started to wear on me a little bit and i i mean i appreciate all the beauty that it that it had but I didn't enjoy it as much because I was nervous a lot. I was, there was a lot of, I was scared a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Ginger balls tells the story of, you know, he would lower his pack down with a rope and then find his uh -huh. way down. Uh, and he got to this one particular Canyon and he lowered his, lowered the pack down and he, he dropped the rope and that was his mistake. He dropped the <gasps> rope and then he realized he couldn't, there was no way to get down from that, oh, from my that goodness. point. And so he navigated a little, just a little ways away and there was a, a tree growing from the bottom uh -huh. and it was about, I don't know, seven or eight feet away from where he was. And he had to take a, he described it a, as a, a leap of faith. <laughs> he talked to that tree. He said, Hey tree, I'm, I'm coming your way and you, you and I are going to get along just fine. But he made that leap and, and uh, oh my goodness. caught onto that tree and then shimmied his way down. But it just, uh, you know, you're out there, oh. you're out there in unknown situations. You're not sure yeah. what you're going to encounter and you've got to make it up as you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you, uh, if you don't get into the right area where you need to get into a Canyon, like you're not, you, you really got to find your way and know how to read a map and, and, and compass. I did have my Gaia GPS as well, which was helpful. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's not a lot of margin for, for error or, or you know, mm -hmm. to, to find your ways into certain areas. And it's interesting to see what people are scared of too. Uh, like, like I was more scared of exposure, but like the quicksand stuff that didn't really phase me somehow. I don't know, maybe because I grew up near the ocean. I was like, oh, it's just wet sand, like uh, whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't, I don't ever, I didn't ever step into quicksand. So I didn't get that shock of like, oh my God. But I would, I looked at, at the, at the water, like the, what is it? The dirty, is it called the dirty devil? I think it is. Uh, and it's just this really deep, um, dark sandy water that you have to wade back and forth across and that didn't scare me at all but uh this other girl that I, well the, the couple that i started with the girls she was afraid of that and she was rather doing the rock bouldering and and the exposure and and i was like, no the water had it didn't that it wasn't scared of that 
So it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to see where your fears lay as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, there was one, one area. It's the bull, the bull Valley gorge that I, before that I had been able to kind of either have a partner at some of the scrambling sections where they could hand me my pack or uh, yeah. Or just randomly. I found some, I, I ran into somebody who was also hiking the trail. So there was another section where there was like, would have been a hard technical thing and he was there. And so we helped each other out. And uh, so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm able to kind of, oh, that's my low camera, uh, low battery. But, um, sorry. Do you have to plug in? <laughs> I'm good now. Okay. Uh, and, uh, um, and so I get there and uh, uh, sorry. Oh, I had read about, I had been able to avoid all of the uh, uh, really hard stuff by having a partner right at that time. And uh and I get to the Bull Valley Gorge and it was an alternate and I'd read somebody's journal entry about it and it sounded cool. And you're like, oh, that sounds like a cool place to go. I'll, I'll take that alternate. And I was by myself and the water was freezing and uh, and there was boulders. And it turns out I hadn't really read the entire journal entry about that. There was boulders and obstacles and things. And then with the water running, she had done it when it was dry. For me, there was water running everywhere. And I, I climb on this tree trunk to get up uh, and, and higher up and there's a rope and I hang onto the rope and I'm climbing this tree trunk and I'm right at the top and then like pull on this rope to get myself hoisted up and over and the rope wasn't attached it was attached to the lower end of the wall not the top end of the wall so I pull on the rope and I fall backwards into the canyon and luckily my backpack is landing against the wall so like I'm not hurt I later on was pretty sore in a lot of spots, but um, I was like, wow, that was really dumb. I was able to avoid all of this. This Oh, I had to do um, stemming too for the first time ever. I'd seen it in a photo. <laughs> I'd never done it before. <laughs> like, well, there's this boulder and this rock wall. I got to get up it somehow. There's no other way. I'll try this thing I saw in a photo. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> So that was a that was a fun experience, and tell, I had to tell us um, tell us what stemming is for those um, who don't know. Um, so you um, basically brace yourself between the, the rock and the boulder, or the other another rock wall. You uh, put your hands behind, and you basically put your feet against the other rock wall and kind of spider walk yourself up, and it works. It's amazing. Um, so you tension yourself between these two uh, walls and, and just slowly move your hands up and move your feet up, move your hands up, move your feet up. And just by keeping that tension, you're able to climb up. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. I was like, oh, that does actually work. But so that, that kind of saw that photo. That kind of sums up the Hey Duke experience, doesn't it? That, uh, you know, you, you're, you're tasked with figuring things out and you eventually get to a point where you're like, okay, I think I saw this in a picture somewhere at one point, I guess I'll give this a try and see if it works. Smarter people would have done more research than maybe taken a canyoneering class, but you know, maybe not that smart, but yeah. So that was a good experience um, where I was, I think three times in that Canyon, I was, I started to cry and I told myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then, you know, like, well, but I better because I'm, I can't backtrack. So I better do this. No <laughs> so, way to go, but forward. I know. <laughs> so, 
I mean, it was a very um, empowering um, experience. I got out of it and I was like, wow, I did that. That was crazy. I survived. That was amazing. I'm so proud of myself. Let's never do that again. <laughs> I think I think there's a valuable lesson for all of the the trails out there that there's a sense of accomplishment and the sense that, you know, if I can do this, I can do just about anything, but I have to imagine that finishing the Hey Duke, you know, that, that feeling of, wow, I can do anything is, it's gotta be exponentially different. Oh yeah. That one was amazing. Uh, I got back after that and then we did some bushwhacking in the white mountains to get some of the peaks for the hundred highest. And, and, my husband and I were like, oh, well, we're, we got to get these peak. Well, this peak, there is a there is another route that's more uh, well known and tracked out. But we're over here now. And if we want to take that route, we got to go downhill and then back up. And I was like, well, we're at this pass right here. We could just go straight across like there's trees. We're not going to fall to our deaths. We might land in a tree, but I'm not. There's like no sheer drop off. Like my my yeah reference. Uh, it definitely uh, I wasn't as scared anymore. No, I'm like, yeah, well, some rotten trees, whatever. Yeah, we might we might <laughs> we might we might fall into a tree, but we're not going to fall to our death. Probably, yeah, I mean, hey. you know, so yeah. yeah, it's fine. We'll do it this way. <laughs> Wow. Hey, you know what? That's the perfect segue. Let's talk about some peak bagging and uh, the New Hampshire 4,000 footers. I understand you have a, you have an FKT. Yes, I, I do. Uh, which is kind of funny because I'm really not that fast of a hiker. Uh, but um, it's the fourth 48, 4,000 footer in one continuous backpacking trip uh, unsupported. So I carried all of my food for the whole trip and it comes down to about, I think, 250 miles something like that and a a, a whole lot of uh, elevation gain um i wish i know the number because it's quite impressive um but uh uh yeah so i did that in just under nine days very close to nine days but just under and um wait 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 pie hang on hang on you did the 48 4000 footers in new hampshire in mm-hmm. one continu- one continuous trail in, mm-hmm. in nine days mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah carrying all my food and gear so i started with a fairly heavy backpack for uh, i mean it was i was pretty light on the on the base weight but the total was 35 pounds and half of that was food half of that was uh was base weight uh gear and uh yeah every day there was uh several several four thousand footers to climb and uh, again, since I'm not like the fastest, uh, I, I didn't sleep too much towards the end. There was a couple nights that I slept a pretty decent amount, but uh, I just had to keep keep walking, keep walking. Now, this was this was not an accident. This wasn't an accidental FKT. You knew what the FKT was going into it. Yeah, that was mine as well. But it was 12 days. <laughs> Show off. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those obscure things that nobody does uh it gets it's getting more popular now so the guys actually there's one i think it's like just over five days uh a lot of trail runners are doing it and they're doing more out and backs. there's there's different ways to approach it as a route you can do more out and backs you can do more as a as a direct um route 
um, with less out and backs. And uh, the the trail runners, I think, usually try to do more out and backs because they can drop their pack and just run. And I'm not a runner, so mm-hmm. uh, so I I just did mostly a, a most direct route as possible. And uh, but yeah, the reason that nobody has broken it is that there uh, it's not very well known. And the women that I know that are very fit in trail running and all that, they don't like to backpack. So that kind of they would they would do to support it if, if they wanted to. So yeah, you mentioned you did some long hours, not a whole lot of sleeping. You know, we had uh, Gabe and Kevin on who fast packed the JMT and thought mm. they, they thought they were going to trail run the the JMT. And they, they discovered pretty quickly they could not trail run the entire JMT. And so they, they, only, had, they only had a week to do this because uh, Gabe's wife said, okay, you have a week to do this. So uh, he figured that, well, if I can't go fast, I've got to go long. So they, yeah. they, they had a lot of, you know, get up at 2 a.m. and, and yeah. make camp at, at 10, 10 p.m. So Yeah, yeah. I, in the beginning, I did okay, I think, with sleeping. And towards the end... I did the uh, like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get up at 3 a.m. and I'll hike till like 12. And then I was kind of zombie walking the last, the last two or three days. But the last two days were the hardest. I was just constantly wanting to nap and I was going really slow. I was much slower than I would normally be. And then I saw like, because a lot of this also has the uh, route of the Appalachian Trail. So I would, I would cling on this one lady. She must've thought I was a nutcase. She was an AT hiker. And I was like, hi, I'm doing this thing. I'm just going to follow you and try to use you as my pacer. <laughs> so I'm not going to fall asleep, but I couldn't keep up with her anymore. Because I was too tired. Well, as soon as you said that, she probably picked up her pace and I got to, I got to get out of here. She's like, this lady's crazy. <laughs> so yeah so that was pretty uh pretty intense and then you get to hike some of the sections that you normally hike in in daylight you hike them in, in the dark and uh uh it get it gets pretty interesting now, any any hallucinations those last couple of days because of uh, sleep deprivation no there, I, there might have been one when i was i i had just summited my last peak and there's a little cabin right below it and i laid down and i thought i heard some people talking and that woke me up and i was like oh god i gotta get back down because that's where my tracker stops i gotta get to the trailhead so whether there were people or not i don't know but it was good that i i heard them because i needed to keep going and not fall asleep I was, I, but I didn't, I didn't hallucinate, but I did have a really hard time keeping going. I would sit down and wanting to nap. I'm like, no, I got to keep going. Get back up, get back up. No, I want to sit down. No, just one bite of a candy bar. Oh, this is my last candy bar. Oh no, I gotta, gotta get up. I gotta keep going. (laughs) So I really, I really wanted to sleep that last night. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But you were able to do it and you broke the record by, broke the FKT by three days? Basically, yeah. I didn't know I could do it in nine days. So that was that one and the Hey Duke were like my proudest finishes. It was like, oh my God, I actually did it. Wow. Those are pretty incredible. Yeah. All right. And speaking of incredible, another great segue. Let's talk about where you are right now. North Country Trail, flip-flopping the North Country Trail. Yeah. When when you've got another, what, 550 miles you said? to finish yeah yep yep and when do you expect to finish oh i can't say that anymore because it always turns out to be later yeah 
so I think realistically, which I thought realistically it was going to be mid-February, but uh, that's that's that ship's probably already sailed. Um, so hopefully before March. Okay. Winter so, hiking is just so much slower and it's so much harder to predict. And then if there's days that are just a little um, just too cold or you just get really tired and you need another day off and then you're not making 15 a day, you're making 10 a day or 12 a day. And then there's more snow and um, it just there's so many factors that make it slower. Um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. So when it's all said and done, you will... It'll- Hopefully, knock on wood, this will be an 11th month journey, 11 month journey. Uh, yeah, I, Thereabouts. I, the other, yeah, the other reason that I was slower was because I, I had to take some time off, um, to get some dental surgery. Done. <laughs> um, so we had to fit that in and, uh, uh, but yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. And you went through some of your equipment that you had, uh, you have out there on the trail, a couple of sleeping pads and, and your, your sleeping bag and your, your tent. Tell us about, you know, what is, what is it like? I mean, doing deep winter hiking where you're, where you're hiking right now. I mean, what, what kinds of things do you need to keep in mind? And, you know, you've talked about the difficulties, but share a little bit about that. Um, so you want to make sure you have, you know, you have the right gear to stay warm. So Sometimes you might carry, you know, extra, extra stuff. Um, uh, but the, the heaviest stuff is like what I change up for gear is that I have two pads. I, I definitely want to have a close cell phone path, pad for underneath to insulate from the um, colder ground. And, and then I have a, a little inflatable on top just for comfort. Um, it does add a little bit of warmth as well. And then the heavier sleeping bag, um, and then the heavy tent that we have, because we use, we tried to use a single wall uh, tent for a winter test hike a, a few years ago. And it just, the condensation was crazy. Um, and maybe out here, if it's a little bit drier snow, it might've been okay. I don't know though. I think it would still be a, an issue. So we've gone with a full on winter tent, which is, uh, which is much heavier. Um, so that, and then we have a heavier stove as well. That's more efficient. If we need to melt snow to get water, um, we have had a pretty decent amount of, of streams and stuff. So it's been, it's been all right. We could use a little bit less canisters. Um, but, um, we've been carrying extra canisters just in case as well. Um, so those are a few of the extra, you know, and more layers of, of, of clothing and, uh, and hats and gloves and over gloves and, and backup mittens and stuff like that. Yeah. Layers and layers of clothing. Now I'm assuming you did a flip-flop of the North country trail because you also wanted to see it. You want to see it in different seasons. Is that, is that accurate Um, or, you know, what, what is the reasoning there? No, well, the reasoning was a little bit more practical that, uh, I'm, I might've started a little earlier and then we thought that Ohio was going to be the warmest place to start. Also, I was going to walk towards home, so my scheduled dental surgery <laughs> was closer in the direction I was walking, and uh, I broke a tooth when I was on the AT in the winter, and so that needed to be pulled, and then I needed to get an, a, a new teeth, <laughs> two new teeth in, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so the direction of travel was a little bit more practical to get closer to home so I could go to the dentist. So that was a weird reason to start in Ohio. 
Um, and uh, I, yeah, that, it seemed to make the most sense. And I also thought I was going to be a month done a month, at least a month earlier. I was actually hoping a month and a half earlier than what I am. I thought initially I would be done end of November, but it didn't happen. But even then, I mean, you, you would experience some serious winter travel. I mean, what, what is the appeal of being out there on the North Country Trail in winter? I have to imagine there's not a lot of people out there and there's probably no. not a lot of animal activity either. Um, you see a lot of deer prints, a lot of deer prints. Uh, so that's been actually kind of cool. Uh, we've still been hearing coyotes at night too. So that's been really neat. Uh, um, I would have been on a winter hike anyways, um, but we were supposed to continue our AT hike from last year. And uh, so I had to talk my husband into um, joining me here instead of on the AT. So, you know, he's, he's like, all right, well, I'm here to help you. But we were supposed to do the AT. Um, so um, the appeal of winter hiking is that it is really beautiful, but it is also challenging. Uh, on the AT, where we did that section last year was like, and again, it was a challenge. Like, can we do this? You know, so there's that challenge part uh, on the AT2. It was like, there's going to be nobody else out there. It's going to be beautiful. Um, so, so there's that part of it. Um, at this point, I'm a little bit over it. So, because <laughs> it is so hard, um, but it is, it is really beautiful. Um, and uh, uh yeah, the rewards are, on the AT, the rewards were definitely, there were big payoffs. You get to the summits and you have these, these amazing undercasts that you can get in wintertime. And uh, we summited Catan in winter and then we looked back a couple of days later and we saw that peak with all the snow and it was just amazingly beautiful. So it's just a very different way of experiencing a, a trail that, you know, with the AT, a trail that we know. And then here, it just it just kind of scheduling. Like I, I wished I could have avoided the winter time, but then we had picture rocks in winter, which normally is like super busy, and there was nobody out there. That was in the, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so that was gorgeous. And you get nobody really sees it that way. You know, we got to camp in these places that are normally super busy you have to get reservations ahead of time uh, you know and and we we got there and there was nobody else out there so you have the place to yourself and it's gorgeous and there's nobody there so yeah. so that's the that's the really cool part about winter traveling yeah the pictures yes. you've been posting on your instagram account are just incredible well thanks yeah it's been beautiful yeah okay so from where you are right now to back to uh, the PCT in 2003, or maybe even earlier than that, the JMT. Uh, how many miles do you have under your feet? How many trail miles? Oh. Approximate. See, I, sh I should know an answer to that, huh? I, I don't really know. Um, it's maybe 30,000. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm terrible with numbers. <laughs> That's okay. And I asked the question because I want to ask you this one. And that is what does 30,000 mile apple pie whisper into the ear of one mile apple pie? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, enjoy, you, every, enjoy every minute of it. Even the post holding? 
even the post hauling, even the snowshoeing. I don't know. Um, be uh, be gentle with yourself. This is one lesson that. Oh, sorry. This is this is one lesson that I'm still working on. Is the don't be so hard on yourself for not being as fast as the other hikers, and don't be so hard on yourself for not making the miles that you want to do. It's okay. You'll get there eventually. Don't try to measure up or measure up. Don't don't compare yourself to others. Just do the best you can do and be proud of what you can do. I think that's the lesson that I'm still working on. I have to remind myself. Sometimes I'm there. I'm like, yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh, but I'm not doing the 15 mile day or I should have been done earlier. I'm like, oh, you know, you're still out here doing it. So. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. All right. Hey, what's next for Apple Pie? What's um, the next so, adventure? So the next adventure is going to be the Natchez Trace Trail and the Ice Age Trail. Because I would like to be the first woman to do all the National Scenic Trails. And I only have those two left. So this one and then those two. And there are 11 National Scenic Trails. You're on yes. the North Country Trail right now, which is your ninth. Yes. Okay. Yep. Just just two left. Yes. Much shorter than this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you get this one checked off, it's all downhill, right? So I know, right? <laughs> all right. Well, good luck in that that adventure. I'm sure you will complete it. And when you do, you have to come back on and tell us about it. All right. Okay. Will do. All right. Hey, you, this is usually usually the place where I throw in an impromptu top five list. And, you know, I kind of got the sense from you earlier that you might have, you might have some, some things listed already on the top five list. I do. Okay. So I'm going to let you tell me what your top five list is. And I don't even know what the category is. Top five of uh, most memorable moments. Perfect. Okay. Let's have them. (laughs) Uh, Well, so there was the Bull Valley Gorge in there that I did mention already. Mm -hmm. That was very memorable. Um, uh, undercast in the Bigelows uh, on our winter AT section hike. Uh, we climbed up there in a snowstorm and then there was a little bit of sunlight and then we get to the very summit ridge and there is this amazing sea of clouds and we could see a couple of peaks in the distance and it was just one of the best undercasts I've ever seen. I just, I love that inversion of the clouds where you just, it's, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. So uh, that one, oh, this was, we didn't mention this trail, Bentham Mackay Trail. It was just a combination of the fog had frozen on the trees and the trees are coated in white rime ice. All of the branches are coated in white rime ice. And the next day is like blue sky. So it is like, it's beautiful, beautiful blue cobalt sky with all these white branches. It was like a fairy tale. It was amazing. I hope you've got some pictures of these. Yeah, there. That's that was. I think that was winter of 2018 or okay. 17. There are on on Instagram. I think. Okay. It was. It was just so gorgeous. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, hiking with my mom on the PCT. My mom hiked with me for. Uh, 
two weeks on the Pacific Crest Trail and it was her second ever backpacking trip. And we saw, again, we saw her for her the first time she ever saw an undercast and she was blown away by it. She's from Holland. It's flat, you know? <laughs> so being in the, in these mountains and doing that together, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was That's such epic. a cool experience to be able to share that. Um, and then another one was, uh, Oh, hiking, through the presidential range on the Dare to Smile on those 48, 4,000 footers. I get up there, it's dark, it's foggy, it's blowing wind. And this is a range that I've been very many times and I just couldn't figure out. I was walking around the circles. I actually had to check my app on my phone to see where I was going. And I'm like, wait, that Karen over there, I was just there. I was walking back and forth. And, and to be in such a like unfriendly environment in the dark with the weather that was not forecasted to be that way. I was, I was crazy, but not that crazy. I was, I, but I'm like, well, I do know this area really well. And if I get over this certain hump, if I get over Mount Madison, I know the area even better. So if I make it over there safely, then I'll can continue on. And, um, but it was very intimidating to be there by myself in the dark, uh, just with some gusts. And you're just like, this is, this is not a place that maybe I should be right now, but, I, if I just keep focused and keep safe and, and, you know, if it gets any gustier, I'll stop. So um, that's kind of what I kept telling myself. And uh, uh, that was a very interesting uh, yeah, experience as well. Well, good thing it didn't happen in 2003 and you had an app. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and this is one of the things that I think I, why I have that at F- FKT is that I do know the mountains and I do know kind of my limits and I would have called it. I would have stayed. If I, if I felt unsafe, I would have stopped. Mm-hmm. And I would have just tried to, you know, put, make some sort of camp and wait it out the night. So, Smart. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hey, apple pie, you know where we are? Mm, huh? Do you know where we are? No. We're at that time of the episode where I turn to you and ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. What bit of trail wisdom do you, can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? And you've been dropping trail wisdom all along the way here, but you got to come up with something new for something the pro new. tip. Yeah. Did, did, did I tell the one where, where when you start out, don't push yourself too hard so you prevent injury? You did not. That's a good one. That's always my favorite one. People don't ever listen to it, though. But I always say, when you start out, don't push yourself too hard because if you're injured, then you're off the trail. But it's hard sometimes because... People are like, yeah, I can make it to Neil Gap tonight. And then they go down the mountain and then their knees hurt. So that's my trail wisdom. Nice. It's they go break, out like, go ahead, finish. Breaking break your body gently. Mm-hmm. Yes. They go out like gangbusters at the beginning because they're just so excited. And they mm-hmm. maybe overestimate to uh, have higher expectations than they should. And yeah. uh, that could, that it's understandable. Oh, sure. you're excited. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's that's the one thing that I always like when people start doing things. Like, okay, take it slow in the beginning. Don't get injured. Prevent injury. Okay. There you go. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Apple Pie. I want to thank her for joining this week, joining us this week. Uh, Pie, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures out there on the North Country Trail? Uh, mostly on Instagram. Um, so my handle is Arlette underscore lab. It's maybe hard to spell. Um, and I do have a YouTube channel, but there's 
not a whole lot on there. And mostly it's silly, silly videos, me and Greenleaf making fun of each other. And, and yeah, but there's also some scenery on it sometimes. So it might be interesting. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Apple pie, you need a TikTok. Maybe these videos are better on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> They're short anyways. <laughs> and if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. Apple Pie, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, some kind of adventure media that will help our listeners stay connected to the trail in the, what for most of us is the off season. Uh, we call this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Well, I'm going to say... Thirst and Mud Rocks and Blazes by Heather Anderson because mm-hmm. um, they're actually very well written and not all of the hiking memoirs are. And I also want to mention Sydney Ross again with her Journey on the Crest. She's got a few other books out and I know it's a little older, but I also know from reading her social media that she can use some support right now because her husband had a really bad accident. So if anybody could order a book by her, um, I'm sure she would appreciate it. And give us the name and the title one more time. Um, Cindy Ross. Mm-hmm. And her Pacific Crest Trail book was A Journey on the Crest. She also has a few other books out. Um, I think there's one on the AT and the CDT as well. Okay. And before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What do we miss tonight? Uh, what did you miss? We covered a lot of stuff. So... Shout outs to other people, but I think it's a segment. Yes, go right ahead. Let's, let's hear the <laughs> shout outs. Shout outs to all the trail angels that have helped me. A special shout out to my friend Little Bird, who came and helped and hiked with me on the Superior Hiking Trail, who I might have quit at that point because I was very homesick. Um, shout out to my buddy Troll, who came and helped me out in North Dakota which was something to look forward to after flipping from the East coast and shout out to Greenleaf who is helping me through this whole section. Cause I would not be able to do this by myself in these conditions. Yes. Big shout out so, to Greenleaf, especially. Yay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you had to resort to trying something you once saw in a picture in order to get out of that slot Canyon. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.